Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, August 10th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LA Public Health. Also, when you have a minute, leave a review of the podcast in your podcast app. Your review helps us know how we're doing and helps get the word out about the show. And now, here's Supervisor Barger. Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's press briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Dr. Barbara Ferrer, the Director of Department of Public Health, is here to provide her regular update on COVID-19 case counts and the recent trends that we are tracking in Los Angeles County. This morning, I hosted a loan and grant writing workshop to equip and empower small businesses and organizations in the region. Spending time with community partners and sharing valuable resources was a perfect way to start the week. There are so many helpful programs the county has available in addition to the services offered by the state and the federal government. Our business community has endured tremendous difficulties because of the closure uh, necessitated by COVID-19. We are doing what we can to support them while protecting each person's health and their well-being. For more information on the resources available to businesses, workers, nonprofits, tenants, and landlords, please visit lacountyhelpcenter.org. Again, lacountyhelpcenter.org. Last month, the Board of Supervisors approved an allocation of $1.2 billion that Los Angeles County received from federal government through the CARES Act. These funds enable the county to provide significant resources to assist residents and businesses affected by the COVID-19 crisis. This includes $650 million for public health measures such as expanded community testing and contact tracing to prevent the further spread of this virus. $200 million was allocated to provide rent relief, food assistance, and child care vouchers for struggling residents. $160 million in grants to support small businesses and $150 million to support disaster service workers and personal protective equipment for county employees working on our front lines. The plan includes funding for our health care system to support any potential surges and urgent needs that may emerge as the pandemic continues. Finally, I would like to take a moment to remind everyone that voting in Los Angeles County is going, to take a, is going to look a little bit different this year. Before the spread of the coronavirus, LA County had already implemented sweeping changes to our voting system to provide an array of options to expand accessibility to our voters. This includes new touch screening voting systems and voting centers that open before election day to provide voters with the opportunity to cast their ballots at their convenience, regardless of their assigned polling location. In addition to these changes, the upcoming November election will also have safe, reliable mail in ballot options for voters who prefer to vote from home rather than visit a vote center. All registered voters in Los Angeles County will be sent a vote by mail ballot in October. There are multiple options to return the ballot, including dropping off at a vote-by-mail drop box location found in civic and community buildings throughout the county, dropping it off at any vote center in the county, or dropping it in the mail, no postage necessary, postmarked by election day. The LA County Registrar Recorder is offering tracking options so that you can ensure your ballot has been received and is counted. You can sign up to receive personalized text message emails 
or automated voice messages on your vote-by-mail ballot by subscribing to Where Is My Ballot? To sign up to track the ballot or for more information on these new voting options, please visit L.A. County Registrar Recorder at lavote.net. Again, lavote.net, and you can sign up to track your ballot. Thank you again for joining us today. Now I would like to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer to give the latest numbers. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and all the members of the Board of Supervisors. I so appreciate your steadfast leadership and unwavering dedication to the well-being of the millions of people who call our county home. And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we remain cautiously optimistic that our recent efforts to slow the spread of COVID-19 are working. Uh, and I have to emphasize the word cautiously because uh, although our data is showing signs of stability, everyone knows uh, we do have a delay in getting accurate reporting from our labs. So um, we'll stay in the cautious space until we actually see our numbers uh, for the past two weeks. But here is what we're seeing. Daily hospitalizations average uh, less than 1,900 patients a day all of last week. Uh, deaths remain stable at an average of about 37 people passing away. Again, a high number and our hearts go out to everyone for the last two weeks. And although the data around daily cases is complicated by the missing uh, and backlog data from the labs, uh, we are seeing that our daily new cases these last few days have stabilized uh, well below the 3,000 cases we were seeing uh, in the middle of July. It's still a very high number, uh, but it does show that we're making some progress. So I do want to start the slide presentation by looking closer at what we're seeing um, when we compare ourselves uh, to California as a whole. Um, so uh, this first slide shows the, what we call the cumulative COVID-19 cases all the way going back to April through the beginning of August. And the white line on the graph is the number, the cumulative number of confirmed cases in California. And the orange line at the bottom is the cumulative number of cases for LA County. And you can see clearly uh, from the graph that at the start of the pandemic, through the beginning of May, LA County made up about half of all the cases in the state. And this made sense. We're a very large population center. We have a lot of essential workers and we have many vulnerable residents. Uh, however, this trend did start to shift in mid-June, um, particularly when we started implementing um, some of our modifications and issued some new health officer orders uh, here in the county. So you see the state's cases are starting to grow exponentially, but the rate of growth in LA County was much more moderate. Uh, and now, instead of accounting for over 50% of the cumulative cases in the state, we account for less than 37%. I'll take the next slide. And similarly, in this chart, you'll see that cumulative deaths from COVID-19 in California as a whole, which is represented by the white line, and then you can see LA County's experience with the orange line. Uh, and you can see that for a very long period of time, LA County actually accounted for more than half the deaths statewide. Uh, now, however, again, with a lot of efforts, particularly in our skilled nursing facilities, deaths in the county have slowed, and LA County represents less than half the deaths uh, across the state. Um, this progress 
um, that we've made is essential as we continue building what we call our new normal this month so that we can get to a point where we're able to reopen our schools uh, for in-person learning and more of our neighbors are able to get back to work. Uh, but the new normal means that as individuals we're going to make some choices uh, and we have to make uh, the best possible choices we can. This will mean continuing to avoid crowds, uh, avoiding being physically close to people when we leave our homes, avoiding gatherings with people we don't live with, and we have to continue to wear our face coverings. And I do think there may be some confusion about where we're, we're asking everyone to wear a face covering and why we think this is so important. So I want to show you our next slide, which helps explain why these simple fabric cov coverings end up being so important to our success right now and into the near future. First, a couple of things that we do know about COVID-19. We know that COVID-19 mainly spreads from person to person through respiratory droplets. These droplets are produced, you can't see them, but they're produced when an infected person coughs, sneezes, talks, sings, or raises their voice. These droplets can land in the eyes, the mouths, or the noses of people who are nearby, and they possibly can be inhaled into the lungs. We also know now that many, many people who are infected with COVID-19 are asymptomatic. This means they have no symptoms. We can't tell, and they can't tell, uh, by how they're feeling or by just looking at them, whether they're infected or they're not. So what do these face coverings do? There is significant evidence now from clinical and laboratory studies that shows that masks reduce the spray of microscopic respiratory droplets when worn over the nose and mouth. And we call this source control. And again, you can see in our, in our graphic uh, the difference between wearing a mask and really keeping your respiratory droplets to yourself and not wearing that face covering, which means that your droplets are going out to everybody else. Uh, a face covering uh, is going to limit the ability of respiratory droplets uh, from every person who's wearing that face covering, as long as it fits snugly over your mouth and your nose. This simple piece of fabric uh, will stop these respiratory droplets from getting to other people. Uh, and because we have no way of knowing if we or those around us are infected with COVID-19, the best strategy is always to wear this face covering when you're around anyone else that's not in your household. And also to ask those that are around you to wear their face covering as well. I do acknowledge these face coverings can be really uncomfortable. They're cumbersome. They get sweaty. Uh, but they do protect all of us. Uh, masks should not, however, be worn by children under the age of two or anyone who has trouble breathing, is unconscious, incapacitated, or otherwise unable to remove the mask without some help. And I want to talk for a minute about these masks that have a valve, an exhalation valve or a vent. Uh, they're not good for wearing if you're trying to prevent spreading COVID-19 to others, since that vent actually permits your respiratory droplets to be exhaled. During the weeks ahead, we're going to need to adhere to the modifications and restrictions uh, that are working to get us back to slowing the spread again. I know that requiring outdoor operations, whether it's for the gym, the hair salon, restaurant dining, or houses of worship, can be a burden 
a significant burden for so many of our businesses, their patrons, and our faith communities. But I do ask that everyone comply, since we know there's less spread of the virus when we're outside with others as opposed to being inside. And I thank you for the significant sacrifices you all keep making. And this is an unfortunate part of our reality as we try to coexist with a deadly virus during a pandemic. I also want to just take a minute and remind folks that we do have a robust contact tracing program and that it's an important part of our efforts to slow the spread. So if you test positive for COVID-19, you should be getting a call from a public health specialist and that person will ask some questions. So please try your best to respond when the contact tracer calls you. That person can also help you connect to resources. Your information is confidential and it helps us in our efforts to contain this virus. But if you've received, for some reason, you've received a positive test and you weren't called by us, here's a number that you can call, 833-540-0473. That's 833-540-0473. And a public health specialist will gather and provide information that can help us all slow the spread. The steps we're taking today are the kinds of steps we need to take uh, so that we have less community transmission. And you all know we need less community transmission so our children can get back to in-classroom learning. I do want to also touch upon a subject that I know is a lot of interest to everyone, and that's youth sports. We did release protocols uh, for youth sports uh, late last week that align with the state's guidance. These allow for youth sport teams to resume activities that include training, conditioning, and skill building, all with no contact. All players and coaches during all of these activities need to maintain a six-foot physical distance or an eight-foot physical distance during times of heavy exertion. Like all other activities, everyone, including coaches, parents, and players, need to wear a face covering at all times unless they're swimming, eating or drinking, or during times of heavy exertion. And consistent with the state's guidance, I wanna make sure people understand that all youth sporting events, including any competitions between and among teams, are still prohibited until further notice. Uh, we also discourage the sharing of sports equipment among teammates wherever possible and we prohibit the sharing of any personal items. This includes water bottles and uniforms. Uh, if you need to share equipment among players, uh, please sanitize it between uses uh, and encourage frequent breaks to allow for adequate time for hand hygiene. That's either allowing players to wash their hands or to use a hand sanitizer. Uh, we're hopeful that as players and coaches adjust to the new modifications, everyone's gonna be able to work as a team to keep each other safe. We're also continuing to plan with our many partners uh, for the beginning of the new school year. Uh, and if for most of us, this is going to be certainly in LA County, uh, a restart of virtual learning for our, our students who are in classes TK through 12. Um, we cannot resume in-person uh, classroom instruction until our case rates drop to 200 cases uh, per 100,000 people. Right now, we're at about three, 335 cases per 100,000 people, but there's a caveat because the state's data for the last couple of weeks 
uh, may be incorrect, uh, and we may need to make revisions uh, in the days ahead. In an effort to give parents and children as many options as possible for the fall, we have developed protocols for early childhood education, for childcare programs for school-aged children, and for day camps. Uh, we recently updated our childcare protocols so that childcare centers can have more students per class, increasing the numbers from 10 to 12. This is now consistent with the protocols for day camps and for daycare for school-aged children. All of these child care programs uh, will have protocols that enable them to offer physical activity and, where appropriate, academic enrichment activities. And these can happen before, during, and after the normal school day. This does provide an opportunity for children to have a safe, nurturing environment where, those, where their parents need to be at work. And for, school, and for programs for school-aged children, um, they are going to need to follow the same rules uh, pretty much that we have for childcare and for day camps. Uh, we're trying to align the protocols so that there's not a lot of confusion. But it's really important for parents to know that you should look for a program that's going to adhere 100% to the protocols that have been issued by LA County Public Health. Staff and students will be required to maintain a safe physical distance. Uh, to have infection control protocols uh, at all the sites and to wear clean face coverings uh, while they're together. Uh, in many places, staff and students uh, need to be screened before the start of the day. Uh, in some places, that can happen at home, uh, but everyone needs to do a screening for symptoms so that no one is coming in that feels unwell. Um, and there are protocols in place should somebody, while they're in a program, develop symptoms of COVID-19. You know, unfortunately, we're just not able to go back to life as we knew it before the pandemic hit in March. Uh, but we are building and living our new normal. So I do want to update you on a few key trends and sectors today and also on our contact tracing efforts. But I'm going to start with the daily update. I'm really sad to report 19 additional deaths today. Five of the, five of the people who died are over the age of 80 and four people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. Seven of the people who died are between the ages of 65 and 79, and six people in this age group who passed away had underlying health conditions. Five people who passed away are between the ages of 50 and 64, and four people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Two people who passed away were between the ages of 30 and 49, and both of these people had underlying health conditions. This does bring the total number of deaths to 4,996 in LA County. We're very close to reaching the most unfortunate milestone of almost seeing 5,000 deaths from this pandemic over the last six months. This number represents family members, loved ones, neighbor, neighbors. And to those who are grieving today, I am so sorry for your loss. I also want to extend my deepest condolences to Long Beach Mayor Garcia, who announced today that he also lost his stepfather to complications of COVID-19 after losing his mother earlier this month. 92% of the people who have died from COVID-19 did have underlying health conditions, but with a number as big as almost 5,000 deaths, that means that there were hundreds of people who did not. So everyone needs to take care of themselves and all of the people they interact with. 
for the 4,688 people who passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified. 49% are Latinx, 24% are white, 15% are Asian, 10% are black, slightly less than 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. I'm reporting today 1,920 new cases. We do think that this is a fairly accurate count of uh, positive test results for today. We still have not uh, received and processed all of the backlog. But this does bring the total number of cases in LA County to 210,424. These cases include a total of 8,775 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 2,112 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. We're also reporting 1,246 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness as part of our total count. Among these cases, 381 people experiencing homelessness were referred to our isolation and quarantine sites. There's 1,514 confirmed cases of people who are currently hospitalized. 31% of the people who are confirmed cases are in the ICU, and about 18% are on ventilators. And I want to note again, the number of daily hospitalizations continues uh, a, a slight decline uh, every day. Uh, we've investigated a total of 1,410 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. We currently have active investigations at 912 sites, and we've closed investigations at 498 sites. Residential settings include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, and correctional facilities. Non-residential settings include workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is now 28,898. And this includes 15,228 among, of cases among residents and 13,670 confirmed cases among staff. I am sad to report that 2,320 residents in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. Uh, the majority of the people who passed away did live in our skilled nursing facilities. Of the 19 newly reported cases today, excluding Long Beach and Pasadena, there was one case uh, of a person who passed away who lived in a skilled nursing facility. That's about 5%. These are unspeakable losses, and I send my thoughts and prayers to everyone who's in mourning. We are reporting 3,465 confirmed cases at some point in our jail facilities. 3,083 are among people who are incarcerated and 382 are among staff. The Sheriff's Office is reporting today for their facilities, 29 inmates who are positive, 51 people who are incarcerated who are in isolation, and 1,299 people who are incarcerated that are quarantined. There are 196 cases in the state prison 137 are among people who are incarcerated, and 59 are among staff. And there are 757 cases in the federal prison facilities, 741 among people who are incarcerated, and 16 among staff. 
Uh, today, uh, we have 121 cases in the juvenile facilities. 49 of these cases are among our youth, and 72 are among staff. There's almost 2 million people that have been tested and had results reported to LA County, and 10% of those who were tested have been positive. Um, as I mentioned before, I am cautiously on optimistic, and I do want to focus briefly just on a couple of key trends. So the next slide, please. Now, this is data uh, just for, the, for like a month, from July 10th to August 7th. Uh, and as you can see, a month ago, we had 2,847 reported cases a day. And a few days ago, on August 7th, we had 2,000, slightly over 2,100 cases that were reported. In between, you see we went as high as 3,000 cases. But you can see uh, that we did start a decline, uh, and we're hoping we're going to get back to a decline. Uh, we, again, need to take a look at all of the, lab, the, the backlogged lab reports to make some adjusted, adjustments. But we are feeling, uh, again, cautiously optimistic that we're headed in the right direction. The next slide. Um, this is that um, seven-day average positivity rate uh, for the last few weeks, the last four weeks. Um, and it shows that um, the positivity rate went slightly up uh, at the end of July, but now it's dropped back down, and it's about 7.3%. Again, once we get all of our backlog cases, we'll make adjustments here as well. But I think uh, the pattern is uh, cases are slightly down, the positivity rate looks like it's slightly down, and hospi hospitalizations uh, are, are also down as well. All good news for L.A. County. Um, the next slide, please. Uh, this looks at the average daily deaths for the last four weeks. Um, we were relatively flat on this metric. Slight increase uh, at the end of July, uh, but now we are seeing a trend of, of deaths again uh, beginning a decline. Uh, we were at about uh, 41 deaths uh, on average for several days uh, towards the end of July, um, and now we're at about 31 deaths um, at the start of August. Now, every single death is a tragic loss, and I know you join me as a community in grieving for the friends, family, and neighbors uh, that we unfortunately have lost to this virus. I do want to note we're not going to go over the data today, uh, but we will look at this data later this week that our communities of color and those people that are low income continue to bear the brunt of this virus, uh, and they are continuing to tragically suffer a disproportionate number of cases and deaths. So we're going to do all that we can with our partners uh, to reduce this heavy toll of COVID-19. Uh, the next slide is, is the hospitalizations data, and this slide is actually shown for the longer period of time the continued decline in the number of daily hospitalizations. A month ago, uh, we were over 2,000 cases a day. Toward the middle of July, we ticked up to 2,200 cases a day, and now we find ourselves on a positive trend where we're averaging about 1,600 daily hospitalizations. This is significant progress in a matter of week, and it only happened because of all the work everyone's been doing. The next slide. Um, as always, we want to make sure that we're uh, continuing to track what's happening in our skilled nursing facilities. Um, we have seen a, a steeper decline in our overall rate for the county in terms of deaths. 
uh, and that's the green line. Uh, but the blue line continues a, a slow trend uh, towards a decrease overall uh, in the number of people that are passing away in our SNFs. Um, at the start of this month, the average uh, daily uh, number of daily deaths for residents at the skilled nursing facilities fell to about seven people per day. Um, most of these deaths are happening among people who are beloved pillars of our community, and I know that they're missed terribly. Uh, the last thing I wanted to uh, really update everyone on is contact tracing, um, because I know it's important for people to understand what we're accomplishing with contact tracing. Uh, it's one of our tools, um, and we've, uh, since the beginning of this pandemic, have tried to use it to the best of our ability. We have issued more than 210,000 orders for isolation and quarantine as a result of our contact tracing efforts. Uh, of these, 164,701 were isolation orders. These are for people who were positive, uh, and 46,278 were quarantine orders for people who were their close contacts. Um, I do want to share an update on our pilot incentive program, which started uh, in the middle of last week, where we're able to offer $20 gift cards uh, to people who are, uh, take the time with us to complete their interview. And the next slide, please. Um, so as you can see on this slide, um, it's, it's a little bit busy, but what it really shows is the percent of people that completed an interview with us for the last few days. Uh, and you'll see we were averaging between 35 and 40 percent. Uh, since we started on, uh, on August 3rd with the incentive program, uh, we've actually gone up every single day, and we're now averaging about 60 percent of people are completing their interviews with us. So I want to thank everybody uh, who's participating with us. We've distributed more than 4,600 gift cards. Uh, there's a gift card for every single person that, completes, uh, that fully completes uh, that process. Um, and I, I want to thank everyone because I know it does take an hour. Uh, so in closing, um, this is a time uh, for us to be grateful for all the efforts people have been making to get us back to what we can do best here in L.A. County, which is take care of each other and slow the curve. I know we're seeing now the results of everyone's hard work and the sacrifices. Um, please continue to wear your face coverings. Avoid crowds and gatherings. Uh, keep your distance. Stay home as much as you can and wash your hands. It is helping. And now we'll take your questions. And ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press one, then followed by zero. And please try to ask only one to two questions per person. And our first question comes from Claudia Pesciuta with KNX Radio. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to ask a couple of questions about the numbers. Um, I'm surprised by how small the, the quarantine order numbers are compared to the isolation orders. Like, wouldn't you expect that to be larger? Um, also, uh, the state says that it's finished processing the backlog. So um, do you have any idea when you'll be getting those numbers and then how long it might take, take to be processed at the county level and then update the numbers for the past two weeks? And then can we get an update, please, on the homeless deaths? And I'm wondering uh, if you think it's safe to make homeless people move their tents uh, to do street cleanup. Thank you. Good questions. 
Um, yeah, it's such a good question about the quarantine orders, and you're absolutely right, Claudia. Like, there should be, because there's usually more than one person who's your close contact, uh, it is surprising that the quarantine numbers for the orders are lower than the numbers of uh, cases that we've interviewed, people who are positive uh, for COVID-19. What that represents, if you go and look on our dashboard, you'll see that uh, we don't get accurate uh, information uh, or we weren't getting accurate information from most of the people we were interviewing who were positive about their close contacts. I talked about this before. People are very reluctant to give us the names of people they work with, and even in some cases their family members because of their uh, individual circumstances. Uh, we're hoping that with the incentives uh, that we're offering and uh, people developing a deeper understanding about how confidential we keep this information, the numbers will go up. But really, we were only getting contact information from about 40% of the people we were talking with. That's why the numbers I showed about completing an interview are so, uh, are so helpful, uh, because that means we've gone from very low numbers all the way now to about 60% of people sharing with us information about their close contacts. Uh, your second question, also a good question, and I'm happy to give an update. The state did finish sort of processing uh, all of the labs that are backlogged, but now those all have to come into our system and be processed by us. So we're working expeditiously to make sure that this is going to be accurate. Uh, we have to make sure we have no duplications in here. Uh, but we hope uh, that sometime this week we'll be able to not only report out um, what our backlog looked like uh, for L.A. County, uh, accurately, but also go back uh, over the past couple of weeks and adjust all our numbers so they reflect better uh, what the trend has been for the past two or three weeks. And the last question about homeless deaths, we are, we, I will be reporting on Wednesday a detailed report on uh, people experiencing homelessness, um, and I, I'm going to answer all of the questions there uh, about homeless people um, who have been, you know, unfortunately, again, um, really hit hard uh, by COVID-19, but I'm going to wait for that till Wednesday just because I don't have the numbers uh, with me today, but I'm going to do a full report on that on Wednesday. Um, so thanks a lot. We'll take the next question. And our next question comes from Anna Amandrala from Kaiser News. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, for Dr. Ferrer, what are the plans to incorporate questions about school and daycare programs during contact tracing once LA County uh, qualifies for the waiver process. Uh, I want to know um, how the county plans to track COVID-19 cases linked to school reopenings. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for that. Um, it's so important because you, you know that we do need to be prepared for the the high possibility that once schools do reopen, there will be positive cases in those schools. And it'll be so critical that we're able to get in there fast um, and identify all the close contacts, make sure that the cases are isolated and that close contacts are quarantined. That's the way to avoid a large outbreak uh, in any school setting, if we can get in early. We have, uh, if you look at our protocols that have uh, already been posted, uh, we have detailed instructions on how schools can plan. We actually have an entire protocol just devoted to outbreak management, and it really spells out how the Department of Public Health is going to be supporting schools uh, when they have positive cases. We will have dedicated teams that will be working in each of our regions uh, with school administrators, both ahead of time uh, to make sure everyone understands how, 
how much cooperation we're going to need to do this well. Uh, but it really rests on the school helping us identify the close contacts, and then our team uh, goes to work on doing all of those interviews and giving people their instructions. Um, but thanks for that question. And we, we have time for one more question. And our last question comes from Annabelle Munoz from ABC7. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, one question for Dr. Ferrer. Um, you provided the numbers, the breakdown by ethnicity or race for the number of deaths in L.A. County. I was wondering if you had a current number for that breakdown for overall cases. And my second question is for Supervisor Catherine Barger. If you could provide us with a brief overview, I think you mentioned it, um, the LA County COVID-19 Rent Relief Program that's launching next week, um, who would qualify, how they can do that, just uh, some of the details. So I'll answer the first part. We're going to have all that information up on lacounty.gov in terms of who qualifies and how you go about accessing it. I don't have it all in front of me. But we're going to have a detailed sheet that will be up um, when I get upstairs. I'm unsure that it's already posted in terms of who can qualify, how you apply, and, um, and if you have any questions or issues, we're going to have a number that you can call to get that information. So now, Dr. Furrow, the second part. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm not sure if I, if I understood correctly, but um, we do report deaths and death rates. We report both numbers of people who have passed away. We also report the rate, which is adjusted by population, um, for by race and ethnicity. Um, I don't know if what you were asking is, can I do that um, for by age group? Um, and we can look at that by age group. Uh, so if that was the question, we do also report it uh, overall. We report our overall numbers. I'm going to um, let people know, you know, you can always go to our website because that information is posted pretty much every day uh, with updated numbers. So hopefully I've answered that, um, that question. But uh, you're right. The next time, I think a couple of weeks ago, I did talk about sort of the distribution of deaths by age. Um, but uh, again, we'll do those reports regularly because we know as we've seen the shift in uh, the number of people who are infected uh, by age with literally, I think today, 69% of our, our new cases today were in people under the age of 50. That also is probably going to have an impact uh, on deaths as well. But, but thank you so much. And now we'll have remarks in Spanish. Buenas tardes. Seguimos siendo cautel cautelosamente optimistas de que nuestros esfuerzos para reducir la propagación de COVID-19 están funcionando. Nuevamente, tenemos que enfatizar la palabra cautelosamente, a pesar de que nuestros datos demuestran señales de estabilidad. Esto es lo que estamos viendo. Los promedios de hospitalizaciones diarias fueron de un poco menos de 1,900 por día durante la semana pasada. Los fallecimientos se mantienen estables con un promedio de 37 por día durante las últimas dos semanas. Y aunque los datos sobre los casos diarios se complican por los datos atrasados debido al retraso de informes del Estado, estamos viendo que los casos nuevos diarios se, esta se estabilizan por debajo de 3,000 por día un promedio, a un promedio de 2,300 casos nuevos por día eh, durante la semana pasada. Este sigue siendo un número muy alto, pero muestra un, una señal de progreso. Comenzaremos la presentación viendo eh, más cerca los datos. 
las dos primeros, los dos primeros gráficos de hoy muestran cuán efectivo, efectivos hemos sido en el condado de Los Ángeles para frenar la propagación de COVID-19 uh, cuando comenzamos a ver una segunda ola en julio. Este gráfico muestra el total de casos eh, de COVID-19 para el periodo de abril a principios de agosto. La línea blanca en este gráfico es el número total de casos eh, confirmados en California y la línea anaranjada eh, son el, el total de casos para el condado de Los Ángeles. Puede ver en este gráfico que desde el comienzo de la pandemia hasta principios de mayo, el condado de Los Ángeles representó aproximadamente la mitad de todos los casos en el estado. Eso tiene sentido. Somos una población muy grande y con muchos trabajadores esenciales y con muchas comunidades vulnerables. Sin embargo, esta tendencia cambia en julio, ya que vemos que los casos en el estado aumentaron, mientras que la tasa de, de crecimiento en el condado de Los Ángeles fue más moderada. Ahora, el condado de Los Ángeles representa 37% de todos los casos en el estado. Next slide. De manera similar, en este gráfico verá el total de muertes por COVID-19 en California, representada por la línea blanca, y el condado de Los Ángeles, representados por la línea uh, anaranjada. Nuevamente, puede ver que durante un largo periodo de tiempo, el condado de Los Ángeles representó aproximadamente la mitad de las, mu de las muertes en, a través del estado. Ahora, sin embargo, los fallecimientos en el condado se han detenido un poco y hoy el condado de Los Ángeles representa menos de la mitad de todas las muertes en el estado. Debemos continuar en este camino y continuar construyendo nuestra nueva normalidad este mes para que finalmente podamos llegar a un punto en el que podamos reabrir nuestras escuelas para el aprendizaje en persona y debemos continuar progresando para que más de nuestros vecinos puedan volver al trabajo. Para nuestro éxito a largo plazo, debemos ser capaces de frenar la propagación de COVID-19 mientras avanzamos en nuestro viaje de recuperación. Necesitamos entender nuestra nueva normalidad. Nuestra nueva normalidad significa que como individuos debemos seguir evitando las multitudes de personas. Significa que debemos evitar estar físicamente cerca de las personas cuando salimos de nuestra casa. Y significa que debemos evitar reunirnos con personas con las que no vivimos. Y significa debemos continuar usando cubiertas faciales. Creemos que todavía existe cierta confusión sobre por qué es importante cubrirse la cara. Nos gustaría mostrarles un gráfico que explica por qué esta simple cubierta de tela son tan importantes para nuestro éxito ahora y en el futuro. Next slide. Sabemos que COVID-19 se transmita de persona a persona a través de gotitas respiratorias. Eh, existe nueva evidencia significativa de estudios clínicos y de laboratorio que muestra que las máscaras reducen las gotitas respiratorias microscópicas cuando se usan sobre la nariz y la boca. Esto se llama control de fuente. 
una cubierta facial, como puede ver en este gráfico, limita la distribución de las gotitas respiratorias de cada persona que usa una cubierta facial que se ajusta cómodamente sobre la boca y la nariz. La simple pieza de tela evita que muchas de sus gotas respiratorias, respiratorias lleguen a quienes lo rodean. Debido a que no tenemos forma de saber si nosotros o quienes nos rodean están infectados con COVID-19, la mejor estrategia es siempre usar una cubierta facial cuando estamos cerca de otras personas que no son de nuestro hogar y pedir que quienes lo rodeen usen también una cubierta facial. Sabemos que estas cubiertas faciales pueden ser incómodas, pero realmente nos protegen a todos. Es posible que lleguemos al punto en el que no tengamos que usarlas, pero aún no hemos llegado a ese punto. Los niños menores de dos años, uh, las personas que tienen problemas para respirar, personas que están inconscientes o incapacitadas o que no se pueden quitar la máscara sin ayuda, uh, no deben usar máscaras. No se deben usar máscara, máscaras con válvulas de exhalación para ayudar a evitar que las personas que usan la máscara propague uh, COVID-19 a otras personas. El control de fuente, ya que las válvulas permiten que se exhalen las gotitas respiratorias. También debemos continuar entendiendo que siguiendo las modificaciones y restricciones que están funcionando para que podamos volver a frenar la propagación nuevamente, Sabemos que requerir operaciones al aire libre, ya sea para el gimnasio, salones de belleza, restaurantes y lugares de adoración, puede ser una carga para muchos de nuestros negocios, sus clientes y nuestros, nuestras comunidades religiosas. Pero les pedimos que todos sigan cumpliendo con las, con las órdenes. Todos estos son sacrificios importantes y una parte desafortunada de nuestra realidad de coexistir con un virus mortal durante una pandemia. También queremos recordarles a las personas que contamos con un programa de rastreo de contactos que, está, que esta es una parte importante de nuestros esfuerzos para frenar la propagación. Si su prueba de COVID-19 es positiva, recibirá una llamada de un especialista en salud pública y esa persona le hará muchas preguntas. Por favor, haga todo lo posible para responder cuando le llamen. Su información es confidencial y nos ayuda en nuestros esfuerzos por contener la propagación de este virus. Si ha recibido un resultado positivo en la prueba y todavía no ha sido llamado por un especialista de salud pública, llame al 833-540-0473. El especialista puede recopilar y proporcionar información que nos ayude a frenar la propagación. Estos pasos nos ayudan a llegar a, a, a un lugar donde tenemos menos transmisión comunitaria y donde nuestros hijos puedan regresar a la escuela y más personas puedan regresar al trabajo. Queremos también actualizarlos acerca de los deportes juveniles. Publicamos protocolos la semana pasada que permiten que los equipos deportivos juveniles procedan con actividades que incluyen prácticas, entrenamiento, acondicionamiento y desarrollo de habilidades. 
todos los jugadores y entrenadores deben mantener una distancia física de seis pies o una distancia física de ocho pies durante momentos de mucho esfuerzo. Al igual que con otras actividades, todos, incluidos los entrenadores, los padres y los jugadores, deben usar una cubierta facial en todo momento, excepto al nadar, comer, beber o durante momentos de mucho esfuerzo. De acuerdo con eh, la guía del estado, todos los eventos deportivos para jóvenes, incluidas las competencias entre equipos, eh, están prohibidos hasta, hasta nuevo aviso. No aconsejamos compartir equipo deportivo entre jugadores y prohibimos compartir cualquier artículo personal, incluidas botellas de agua y uniformes. Si el equipo debe compartirse entre los jugadores, eh, requerimos que se desinfecte entre usos y alentamos los descansos frecuentes para permitir el tiempo adecuado para la higiene de manos. Sabemos que esto requiere algunos ajustes uh, para los entrenadores y jugadores, pero sabemos que todos trabajarán en equipo para mantenerse seguros. También continuamos planificando para un otoño eh, que verá un reinicio del aprendizaje virtual para los estudiantes de pre-kinder al 12 grado, grado, sin aprendizaje en persona hasta que la tasa de casos del condado disminuya a 200 casos por 100,000 habitantes. En este momento estamos en 335 casos por cada 100,000 habitantes, sabiendo que los datos estatales pueden ser incorrectos y es posible que deban revisarse. Es un esfuerzo por brindarles a los padres y niños tantas opciones como sean posible para el otoño. Hemos desarrollado protocolos para centros de cuidado infantil, programas de día extendido y campamentos diurnos. Recientemente actualizamos nuestros protocolos de cuidado infantil para permitir que los centros de cuidado infantil tengan más estudiantes por, grup por grupo, aumentando el número de 10 a 12 uh, para ser consistentes con los protocolos para campamentos diurnos y programas de día extendido. Los programas de día extendido que anticipamos servirán a los niños en edad, en edad escolar en el otoño tienen nuevos protocolos que les permiten ofrecer actividad física y actividades de enriquecimiento académico antes, durante y después del día escolar normal. Esto brindará una oportunidad para que los niños tengan un entorno seguro mientras sus padres están en el trabajo. Los programas de día extendido tendrán que seguir reglas similares a las de los campamentos diurnos y de cuidado infantil. Se requiere que los maestros y estudiantes mantengan una distancia física segura y que usen cubiertas de tela para la cara mientras estén juntos. El personal y los estudiantes serán evaluados antes del inicio de las actividades todos los días y deberán tomar pasos detallados si alguien en el programa desarrolla síntomas de COVID-19. Como dijimos antes, no podemos volver a la vida como la conocíamos antes de marzo. Estamos construyendo y viviendo nuestra nueva normalidad. Hoy también queremos informarles sobre algunas tendencias en nuestros datos. También los vamos a actualizar sobre...
sobre los esfuerzos de rastreo de contactos. Comenzaremos con nuestra actualización diaria. Estamos tristes de reportar 19 fallecimientos adicionales hoy. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 4,996 en el condado de Los Ángeles. El 92% de las personas que han fallecido por COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. Para las 4,688 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la raza etnicidad, 49% son latinas, 24% son blancas, 15% son asiáticas, 10, eh, perdón, sí, 10 son afroamericanas, menos de 1% son nativas de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y 1% son de otra raza o etnicidad. Hoy estamos reportando 1,920 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 210,424. Estamos reportando 1,246 casos confirmados entre personas eh, que viven sin hogar. Y 1,514 casos confirmados están hospitalizados actualmente. 31% de estas personas son casos confirmados en unidades de cuidados intensivos. 2,027 casos confirmados y de sospecha de ser COVID-19 están actualmente hospitalizados. Y el 18% están en ventiladores. <coughs> Hemos investigado un total de 1,410 entornos de congregación residencial y entornos no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 28,898, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 15,228 de estos casos confirmados son residentes y 13,670 son empleados. Nos da tristeza informar que 2,320 residentes en entornos institucionales han fallecido por COVID-19, lo que representa el 49% de todos los fallecimientos. La mayoría de estas personas residían en centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos reportando 3,465 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. La oficina del Aguacil informa sobre sus instalaciones que 29 personas encarceladas son positivas, 51 personas uh, están en aislamiento y 1,299 están en cuarentena. Hay 196 casos en la prisión estatal y 757 casos en las prisiones federales y 121 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. 1,952,322 personas han sido evaluadas por COVID-19 y se han reportado resultados al condado de Los Ángeles. El 10% fueron resultados positivos. Estamos cautelosamente optimistas y queremos centrarnos brevemente en algunas tendencias claves. 
Como puede ver, hace un mes teníamos 2,847 casos reportados por día y hace unos días, el 7 de agosto, teníamos un promedio de 2,197 casos. En el promedio, sin embargo, perdón, en el medio, sin embargo, vimos unos días difíciles con más de 3,000 casos. Los problemas de informes del Estado están teniendo un impacto en estos datos, pero creemos que vamos en la dirección correcta. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de la tasa de positividad de siete días durante los, las últimas cuatro semanas. Muestra que la tasa de positividad se ha mantenido prácticamente plana durante el mes de julio, rondando un poco menos del 9%. Hubo un ligero aumento hacia el final del mes, llegando al 9.5%, y ahora estamos viendo una caída hacia el rango de 7.3%. Nuevamente, a medida que trabajamos para comprender cómo los problemas de informes estatales han afectado este dato, es posible que tendremos que ajustarlo. Sin embargo, creemos que esta tendencia a la baja uh, en la tasa de positividad se mantendrá una vez que reconciliemos los datos del estado atrasado, que están atrasados. Como recordatorio, para salir de la lista de monitoreo estatal, necesitamos que esta tasa se mantenga por debajo del 8% durante 14 días consecutivos. Next slide. Ahora estamos viendo el promedio de muertes diarias durante cuatro semanas. Nos mantenemos relativamente planos en este dato, aunque vimos un aumento hacia fines de julio donde vimos un promedio de 41 muertes durante varios días. Esto ha bajado por ahora y el último, perdón, el último punto de este gráfico muestra un promedio de 31 muertes a principios de agosto. Tenemos que recordarles a todos que, que nuestras comunidades diversas y los de bajos ingresos continúan siendo los más afectados por este virus y están sufriendo trágicamente en, de manera desproporcionada uh, por la cantidad de casos y fallecimientos. Continuaremos trabajando con nuestros socios para reducir este alto costo de COVID-19. Next slide. Las hospitalizaciones son un, un indicador clave de la capacidad del sistema de salud, por lo que vigilamos este dato de cerca, particularmente porque los informes de los datos de hospitalizaciones se han mantenido confiables y no se han visto afectados por los problemas de notificación de casos en todo el estado. Como puede ver en este gráfico, hace aproximadamente un mes teníamos un promedio de 2,040 hospitalizaciones. Hacia finales de julio, marcamos hasta 2,200 uh, hospitalizaciones y ahora nos encontramos en una tendencia positiva con 1,619 hospitalizaciones en promedio. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra el promedio móvil de siete días de muertes diarias por COVID-19, que es la línea superior del gráfico, y el promedio de siete días de muertes por COVID entre los eh, residentes de centros de enfermería especializada, que es la línea de abajo. 
Como puede ver con la línea verde, el promedio de muertes diarias totales aumentó levemente hacia fines de julio. Sin embargo, hemos visto una disminución eh, gradual, pero constante en el promedio de muertes diarias entre las personas que residen en centros de enfermería especializada, que es la línea azul. Hace un mes, el promedio diario de muertes entre los residentes en, de un centro de enfermería especializada era de 12. Un mes después, estamos viendo disminuciones constantes. A principios de este mes, vimos que el promedio de muertes diarias de residentes en centros de enfermería especializada cayó a 7. Ahora queremos informarles sobre el rastreo de contactos. Como saben, el rastreo de contactos es una de las herramientas que utilizamos durante nuestros esfuerzos para frenar la propagación de COVID-19. Y es una herramienta que hemos usado desde el primer caso de COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Desde entonces, hemos emitido más de 210 mil órdenes de aislamiento y cuarentena a personas infectadas con el virus o expuestas a él. De ellos, 164, 701 fueron órdenes de aislamiento para personas infectadas y 46,278 fueron órdenes de cuarentena para contactos cercanos de personas infectadas. También queremos compartir una actualización sobre nuestro programa piloto de incentivos. Hemos estado ofreciendo tarjetas de regalo de 20 dólares para alentar a las personas a completar la entrevista con el rastreador de contactos. Iniciamos este programa piloto porque observamos que la mayoría de las personas no estaban dispuestas a cooperar con nosotros eh, y con, los, con los, nuestros rastradores de contactos, incluido el suministro de información sobre los contactos cercanos que podrían um, ser expuestos a COVID-19. Next slide. Estamos viendo que el programa de incentivos funciona. Este gráfico muestra datos de los días previos a la implementación del incentivo de la tarjeta de regalo del 27 de julio al 2 de agosto. Aquí puede ver en los primeros tres días del piloto, vimos un salto marcado en, um, en obtener exitosamente la información um, de, de contactos. Antes de ofrecer la tarjeta de regalo, eh, menos del 30% de los casos a los que llegamos a través del rastreo de contactos estaban dispuestos a compartir información sobre contactos cercanos. Pasamos el 38% de las personas que brindan contactos al 62% en solo los primeros tres días del programa piloto de incentivos. Habíamos repartido uh, 4,600 tarjetas de regalo. Esto significa que ofrecer un pequeño incentivo eh, funciona y esto es alentador. Nuestro programa de rastreo de contactos uh, estará en funcionamiento mientras este virus continúe propagándose y obtener tanta información como sea posible de las personas nos ayudará a contener este virus. Queremos agradecer a nuestros residentes, individuos y dueños de negocios por seguir nuestro llamado y trabajar muy duro para frenar la propagación de este virus. Okay, and now we'll go ahead and move on to 
um, remarks in Armenian. Բարիոր բոլորին, շնորակալում եմ վերասկիչ բարգերեն և վերասկիչ մարմինների ողջ խորորդին։ Մենք սկուշորեն շարունակում ենք լավատես լինել կովիտ տասնինի տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու և մեր ճանքերը գործում են։ Դարձալ պետք է նշեմ սկուշորեն բարը և մեր տվյալները ծության տալիս կայունության նշաններ։ Ահա թե ինչ ենք մենք տեսնում, մեր տվյալները ծության տալիս անձյալ շապատվա ընթացքում ամենոր հոսպիտալացումների միջին թիվը կազմում էր փոքր ավելի կիչ, կան որեկան հազար իննը հարուր հոքի։ Վերջին երկու շապատվա ընթացքում մահերի միջին թիվը կազում էր 37-ը։ Մենք տեսնում ենք, որ ամեն որ նոր դեպքերը կայունանում են որեկան երեկ հազարից ծածր, իսկ անցած շապատվա ընթացքում միջին կանակը կազմում էր երկու հազար երեկ հարյուր նոր դեպքեր։ Սա դր շատ մեծ թիվ է, բայց դա առաջնթա� մեկնարկի համար, որը կսկսի ուսանողների համար վերտուալ ուսուցման վերսկսումով նախադպրոցականներից 12-երորդ ասայանների համար։ Կանի դեր վարճաշրջանի կործի կանակը չի իչնում 200 դեպքի յուրականչուր որպիսի ծնողների և երեխաների նարավորինը շատ տարբերակներ տրամադրենք, աշնանը մենք մշակել ենք արձանագրություն, վաղ մանկության կրթության տպրոցահասակ երեխաների համար նախատեսնված խնամքի ծրագրերի և ծերեկայուն � կենտրոնները հնարավորություն ունենան ունենալ ավելի շատ ուսանողներ յուրականչուր դասարանում։ Թիվը տասից հասցնելով տաս երկուսին, ինչպես ծերեկային ճամբարների և ընլայնված որված ռագրերի վերաբերվող արձանագրություններ որոնք հնարավորություն են տալիս նրանց առաջարկել վիզիկական գորսնեություն և ակաձեմիական հարստացման աշխատանքներ, սովորական տպրոցական որվանից առաջ և հետո։ Սա հնարավորություն կտա երեխաներին ունենալ անվ նման կանուններին, ինչպես հիմա անում են երեխաների խնամքը և ծերեկային ճամբարները։ Աշխատակիցներից և ուսանողներից կպահանջվի պահպանել անվտանք վիզիկական հերավորություն և միասին հավակվելիս կրել դեմքի եթե որև է մեկը ունի կովիտ տասնինի աղտանիշներ։ Ինչպես նախկինում ասել եմ, մենք իվիճակի չենք վերադարնալ կյանք, ինչպես դա գիտեինք միջ մարդ ամիսը։ Մենք կարուցում և ապրում ենք մեր նոր նորմալը։ 
մենք արձանագրություն հայտնեցինք, որ հնարավորություն է տալիս երտասարդական սպորտային թիմերի վերսկսելը, որը ներարում է մարզում, պայմանավորվում է հմտության ձևավորում առանց շպման։ Բոլոր խաղացողներն ու մարզիչները պետք է ունենան 6 ոտք վիզիկական հերավորություն։ Ինչպես եւ մյուս գործողությունները բոլորը ներառյալ, մարզիչներ, ծնողներ եւ խաղացողներ պետք է բոլոր ժամանակներում ունենան դեպքի դեմքի կտորի ծածկ, բացի լողանալուց, ուտելուց կամ խմելուց։ Համաձայն պետության ղեկավարության երիտասարդական սպորտային բոլոր միջոցառումները ներառյալ թիմերի միջև ցանկացած մրցում, ներառյալ հետակացանություն։ Մենք խոստորեն վստահեցնում ենք սպորտային տեխնիկայի տարածումը թիմակիցներին միջև եւ արգելում ենք ցանկացած անznական իրերի բաժանվեն խաղացողների միջև, ապա այն պետք է մաքրվի օկտագորցման միջև եւ խրախուսվի հաճախակի ընդմուչումներ որպեսի հիգիենայի համարժեք տրամադրվի հուսովենք որ քանի որ մարզիչներ եւ խաղացողները հարմարվում են նոր փոփոխությունների բոլորը կարող են աշխատել որպես թիմ մի միանց անվտանգ պահելու համար ներկա իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 19 մահվան մասին Այս մարդկանցից 5-ը 80 տարեկանից բարձր են եւ որոնցից 4-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 7-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ը, որոնցից 6-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 5 անձի տարիքը 50-ից 64-ն է եւ 4-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 2-ը 30 տարեկանից 49-ն է, որոնցից 2-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 4996-ի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Էթնիկ պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է։ 49%-ը լատինո լատինեքս, 24%-ը սպիտակ, 15%-ը ասիական 10%-ը աֆրոամերիկացին, 1%-ը բնիկ հավայան, 1%-ը այլ ռասա եւ էթնիկ խումբ։ COVID-19-ով մահացած անձանց 92%-ը ունեն ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ, ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ հնարավորինը սխուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1920 նոր դեպքերի մասին Եվ սա բերում է Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 210424-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Լոնգ Բիչ քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 8775 դեպքեր եւ Փասդինա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2112 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանումներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 1246 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 381 անց պատշաճկերպով մեկուսացված են, իսկ սերտ կապերը կարանդինացված են։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 1514 մարդ, որոնցից 31%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, և 18%-ը միացված են շնչարական օդափոխիչների։ Ներկայումս քննություններ են կատարվում 1410 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ 
Ինստիտությունալ միջավայրում բնակվող մահացածների 49%-ը բնակվում էին հմուտ բուշկուրական հաստատություններում։ Մենք ծավում ենք այս կորուստի համար։ Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 3465 տեպքեր արձանագրվել են կրյակատարողական հիմնարկներում։ 383 դատապարձալ և 382 աշխատակազմ։ 196 դեպք նահանգային բանտերում, 137 բանտարկյալ և 59 աշխատակազմ։ 757 դեպք վեդերալ բանտերում, 741 բանտարկյալ և 16 աշխատակազմ, 121 դեպք անչապասների հազտատություններում, 49 բանտարկյալ և 72 աշխատակազմ։ Եվ լոսանջով շրջանի արձանագրված բոլոր նոր դեպքերու զեկույցը կարող եք տեսնել Ավելի կան մեկ միլոն 900 հազար մարդ տեստավորվել են, այվ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են լոսանջելո շրջան, որոնցից տաս տոքոսը դրական են։ Սանկանում եմ շնորակալություն հայտնել մեր բնակիչներին, անհատներին և բիզնեսի սեպականատերերին Մենք տեսնում ենք ձեր կրտնաջան աշխատանքի և զոհաբերության արդյունքները։ Մենք միասին հարմարվում ենք մեր նոր նորմալին և շարունակում ենք ուղի կարուցել, որպիսի կարողանանք նորից բացել մեր տպրոցները Եվ մարդկանց հետ շպումից, որոնց հետ չեք ապրում։ Միևնույն ժամանակ պահպանելով վիզիկական հերավորություն խնդրում ենք շարունակել մնալ հնարավորինը ստանը։ Այս ամենը ոգնում են։ Շնորակալություն։ Դենք ու։ This concludes Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.